The call to worship comes this morning from Psalm 65 and the first four verses. Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgression. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your holy temple. As God has called us, he welcomes us into his midst with these words. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We want to also uh, hear this morning... Uh, then from the first reading of Scripture, as it is found in Isaiah chapter 40. Again, here also dealing with the very clear message of the Gospel in which God comes to us with the good news of salvation. Isaiah chapter 40, and the verses first 11 verses. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall be level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Thus far, the reading of God's Word, as we find it recorded in Isaiah chapter 40. Now we want to turn to the Gospel of John, in the first chapter, reading there the first 18 verses, the Gospel of John. <clears throat> this is, of course, John's um, presentation of the narrative concerning the birth of Christ, uh, not so much as the Gospels in terms of the events that take place, uh, but the fulfillment 
of prophecy and the implication of Christ's birth. Let us give our close attention to the reading of God's holy word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him, and he cried and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is the Father's, who at the Father's side he has made him known. Thus far, the reading of God's most holy word. May God bless both the hearing and the reading of his word. As I mentioned prior to reading, this is John's presentation to us concerning the birth of Christ. It's a great account. It's a great story about how the Word of God became flesh, that God took on human nature, and in the person of both God and man together, Christ comes into our midst. We always need to remember that when we think about the birth of Christ, and we are reminded about that particularly in the Gospel of John, that the birth of Christ is the fulfillment of prophecy. It is the fulfillment of promise. And as we know, it is in fact the fulfillment of plan that was in the mind of God in eternity, far before creation and man's fall in fact, into sin. Now, it's a great story. We enjoy rehearing that story. We enjoy celebrating, and we ought to. It was great to hear the children singing of the birth of Christ. We celebrate the message. The particular emphasis that the Gospel of John makes in presenting to us the account of the birth of Christ, is in terms of fulfilling the promise of 
God's Word coming and God speaking to us as His people. It's probably an emphasis which is often overlooked when we think about the birth of Christ. Yes, the baby Jesus was born. It's a nice story. The, the, the little child laid in a manger. The Son of God became flesh. But let's not overlook the emphasis that the Word of God has come into the world. Why would that be such a concern? Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Remember again, as we look particularly at verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so I want to take a very special look. There's, there's a tremendous amount of, uh, of important information of, of uh, the message of the gospel, of theology in this verse. But I want to this morning zero in very particularly at, and to take note of the fact that the Word of God, yes, in the person of Christ, but He's clearly identified in the first verses as the Word of God, the Son of God was with God uh, in creation. And that we will raise the further issues of the fact, do we have the Word of God today? Why is the Word so important in terms of the story of salvation? And how do you today, how do we today hear the Word of God? Perhaps some of you might remember uh, several months ago uh, I had to look with me at the passage, the last several verses in the book of Exodus where we read that God literally moved into the midst of his people camped at Mount Sinai after they had come out of slavery in Egypt. And he moved into the midst of his people by being there in the tabernacle, particularly in the Holy of Holies. And the reason that that is such an important concept to remember, that God cannot be in the midst of sin. And so by being in the midst of the tabernacle, with the curtains around the tabernacle, or the building around, and the curtain to get into the Holy of Holies, it is a protection so that God can be with his people and not destroy them. But they can have the benefit of his direction. And so the idea there of the presence of God with his people. Think further back with me. Even prior to sin in the garden. Where there was a perfect harmonious relationship between God and Adam and Eve, as he placed them in the garden. And we read about the fact that not only did they live before God, did they dress and keep the garden, but they had fellowship, they had communion, there was spoken words between God and Adam and Eve. Man is created in the image of God. Man is created to have an ongoing communion, fellowship with God, 
It is the core, in fact, and it is the essence what life is all about. And even more so specifically, that, that fountain of life, to think of the uh, place where a man is plugged into with God in order to have life, is, is presented to us in terms of the Word. God speaking with man, and man fellowshipping with God. There can be no life without God. It is to be connected with God. But then, as we are very much aware, and deal with the reality, uh, that when man sinned, that communication is cut off. Adam and Eve were placed outside of the garden. The consequences of sin were applied, and therefore life is cut off. The clear direction given to man by God before sin was the day that you disobey me, you shall surely die. That's exactly what happened. They were now without the word. And yet God did speak. In the presence of Adam and Eve and pronouncing his curse upon the serpent, God made it clear to Adam and Eve that there would be the seed of the woman. Well, if life goes, there's going to be a seed of the woman. Life is going on. That's the good news of the gospel. So, following sin, as God comes to man, the word of God, the speaking of God, is not just a life relationship. It is a life-restoring relationship. The word of God now takes on very much the concept of redemption. The word of hope. In spite of our lost state, life would continue. And so the seed, the life, would be established in fellowship with God outwardly by sacrifice. We have the picture of the tabernacle. God in the midst of his people. God does not speak directly. He speaks through Moses, but through the sacrifices and through the outward means and Moses and the prophets, all of these outward means, there is communication. But now we are told by John that in the fullness of time, as God had planted in eternity, now the Word dwelt among us. Not just through a tabernacle where God is behind the curtain. Not by sacrifice as a picture of salvation. Not by someone who is a spokesman for God. But God himself. God himself and the person of the Son who took on human nature. And you know there's, there's a bit of a play on words here. The word literally where it says, and he dwelt among us. The word literally means he tabernacled, or if you will, he set up his tent. He set up his tent in the middle of humanity. Except he did not set up a tent of curtains that he was hiding behind. But his tent is the person of the Son of God, who himself is the uniting of God and man in the one person of Christ. 
It does not mean that all humanity is restored. It does not mean that God changed his mind and said, I'm sorry, I kicked you out of the garden, let's come back together. But it does mean that God has now provided for man to be restored to God in terms of the word, the fellowship, the face-to-face connection with our God. And this connection is really important that we understand what took place going back to the garden again. What man actually did when he disobeyed God and, and, and listened to the serpent is that man said, you know what, I don't need your word. I'm going to decide for myself. I can be a God like others. I can be my own God. It's not just that man turned their back on God when they did that. That's very important to understand. But even more important is to understand when man turned his back on God, God turned his back on man and God left. God won't have anything to do with sin. The fact that the word is restored in the person of Christ is the picture of grace. God comes back to man while man is still in his sin. And it brings the message of salvation. I want to underscore the fact that God is a God who speaks. He is the only God who speaks. The essence of being in rebellion against God, as I said, is to create and to find another word. Ever since Adam and Eve turned his back on God and said, we can listen to the serpent and say, well, yeah, we can be our own gods. We can decide for ourselves. We don't have to listen to God. Man has been trying to set up and create a, a, an idol in, in every other way that you can imagine and continues to seek to do so, and none of them have the answer. The scripture is absolutely clear. Idols have never yet spoken. All that has come from them has been from man himself. Isaiah and Habakkuk tell us the story about the guy who chops down the tree, uses half of it to cook his meal, and he sets up the other half and says, you are my God. That's what man's been trying to do ever since. But Habakkuk then also says, God is in his temple. And all the earth keeps silence because God alone speaks. So this is not intended to take away from the announcement of the birth of the Savior. Your salvation comes with words. Beginning with the announcement that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. The announcement now in John that the word has come and dwells in our midst is the announcement that salvation has come. And by the word, salvation is being carried out in that Christ speaks to us. Salvation is about new life. It's restored to the life lost. It's about being with God. God cannot be in the presence of sin. So here's the thing to really contemplate and grasp hold of. If God came to be in the midst of his people, it means that God has come with a message of taking care of sin. The word of God is salvation. Is what the birth of Christ is all about. 
this connection then we read we beheld his glory see as Christ Jesus was a real man and the son taking on human nature he's actually seen he was born, he was laid in the manger he grew up as a young child but while anyone who was alive at the time and actually came upon him they were indeed able to literally lay their eyes on Jesus they saw the word the shepherds we read went to see the Christ child but as the word he made himself known as the savior the reality of salvation and again the word didn't just set up a tent but the word is seen he did signs and miracles for the purpose of a message of salvation he taught the crowds who had who gathered around him he, he, he taught them lessons like on the Sermon on the Mount he gave himself for sacrifice on the cross so when the prophet Ezekiel had the vision of dried bones in Ezekiel chapter 37 if you will remember it's a valley filled with dried up bleached bones no life there whatsoever and the prophet Ezekiel was told go and prophesy to those bones and here is what the message of the prophecy was to be hear the word of the Lord hear the word of the Lord and yes by means of the power of the Holy Spirit accompanying that message the bones became alive because they heard the word of life in John 10 the great uh, chapter about the good shepherd we read in in, uh, in chapter 10 in the verses 27 and 28 Jesus says my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand notice the reference the good shepherd becomes the good shepherd because the sheep hear what the good shepherd says to them and his message is, I give life. The fact that Christ set up his tent leads then to the calling his sheep. And the calling of the sheep continues through the ministry of the word. It is of this word which came and dwelt in our midst. This word which is poured out upon us, of which the author of Hebrews says that it is a two-edged sword. In fact, in the Gospel of John, at the end of that book, or near the end of that book in chapter 20, we read in verses 30 and 31, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe. The words are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by, leave, by believing you may have life, life restored. The effectiveness, the reality of the Word become flesh, the effectiveness of the Word of God is that it is what leads 
to seeing the glory of Christ, the glory of God, that is salvation. You know, one of the most telling accounts in all of Scripture as to what happens when there is no word of God. When we pay no attention to the word of God and think that we can live our life without his word. In Amos chapter 8, we read of the fact that the prophet is told that there will be a famine in the land. There will be a famine of food. Be a famine of the word of God. But the people were desperate. We read that they run from one end to the other. Try to figure out one way or another to find the word. And they're desperate. Without God, the one who speaks, there is truly no life. But with God, life is restored. The grace and truth of God, which is revealed in this glory, which is revealed in the actual Christ coming and setting up his tent here on earth in the midst of humanity, fallen humanity, is the message of salvation and life. But now here's a problem. You and I were not there when Jesus set up his tent, when Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, when he was doing miracles. He is not here on earth now talking to people. We cannot lay our eyes on him as those who were able to do that during the time of his life. And it is great to be reminded of the great event that we celebrate with Christmas. Although we, we should not put the reality of that celebration away like we put the decorations away. It is important every day of our lives. But we have so much more than just something to celebrate like we do a birthday once a year. And it's not only to look for the time when we will see him one day in heaven. Yes, then we will lay our eyes literally upon Jesus in, in, in the midst of the new heavens and the new earth. But what is the word to you today? Where do you and I gain from the fact that Jesus set up his tent and dwelt in our midst some 2,000 years ago? Well, certainly we have this book right here, the Bible, which is the Word of God. It contains the message of the work of Christ. It contains the message of salvation, the restoration Word of God after Adam and Eve sinned. That's what this is. Well, the Lord has not led us without his word. The word remains in our midst. Obviously, we have to benefit the coming of the Savior, and by that Savior, we do have life. But here's the thing that you must see. The restored life as God's people, which we have now, is by means still, and only can be, by communication with God. We are tied into a new life in Christ. Because the word became flesh. Because the word reveals truth and grace. 
What a gift it is, but we do not just celebrate the greatness that that took place 2,000 years ago. Because that word is here in your midst, particularly according to Romans 8.14, by the preaching of the word of God. When God's people are gathered as we are right now, under the oversight of the eldership, according to the creeds of the church, and the faithful preaching of the word of God, it is literally Jesus, the one who came and dwelt in our midst, speaking to his people. Because that word is here in your midst. But the ministry of the word, this morning we're going to see a demonstration of the physical extension of the word of God in the bread and in the wine. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 of the gift that is given to the church in the office of pastor teacher. Yes, you are looking for someone who will be means by which the word of God comes to you. God will provide because he has provided for his people to have the ministry of the word. Supervision of you, the word. Will you be as the shepherds? Who when they were told that the word had become flesh, that Jesus was born, and they went to see him. To just celebrate once a year and then put Christ back on the shelf and say, next year I'll come back to church on Christmas. You are denying yourself, as they did in Amos, the presence of the Word of God. It is not hard to come up with excuses. There are many. Sermon was too hard, it was too long. Preacher's voice was irritating. Whatever. You have the privilege to know and to see the word still in your midst today. In the preaching of the word of God. Are you hungry for that before you are for what is before you in the word? You see, the word is still in your midst. God is still coming to you. The reality of the word of God dwelling in our midst is a reality that remains fresh, is ours for real. We have the ministry of the word of God, and it is specific in terms of the ministry of his word. It behooves you to hear and to listen to the word of life. Let us pray. Our God and Father, help us to not only celebrate with joy the greatness of the event that took place that the Word of God became flesh, but help us to rejoice daily and to have daily the Word of God in our lives that we may have true life connected with God through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior in whose name we do pray Amen